Welcome to the Script and Style Show, the web show where we talk about web development with the people that make it happen. Today's episode is brought to you by TrackJS JavaScript Error Monitoring. Know when errors hit your website with the context to find and fix bugs fast with TrackJS. Start your free trial today at trackjs.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show, uh, Script and Style, where we talk about web development with the people that make it happen. I'm Todd Gardner from TrackJS JavaScript Air Monitoring, and my co-host David Walsh, creator of the popular blog, davidwalsh.name. How's your summer going, David? It's going great, man, but I t- I'm so happy to be back. I've been waiting for that intro for months. Um, you know, we had that short sort of impromptu summer break with the podcast. Not, not so short, not so short. <laughs> it Well... When, when it's hot outside and you're in the pool and stuff, everything feels too short, right? Um, but while we were taking that vacation, I thought that it would be really good to come back and talk a little bit about work-life balance and the role that that plays in our lives. But before we do that, how was, how was your vacation? What did you do while, while we were away? Um, it wasn't so much of a vacation. Uh, did spend a little bit of time outside in the summer in Minnesota, which is gorgeous. Uh, went to Kansas City, uh, did a conference down there and threw a pub comp. Uh, and basically just spending, spending as much time like at home chilling as I can. How about you? Experiencing life? Good. Yeah. Um, I went off to Mountain View, which is in Canada. Rough trip, right? Um, and saw some beautiful mountains at the Mozilla All Hands. Um, after that, unfortunately, I had a loss in the family, so I was out for a while. And then I was on to a vacation of my own, a staycation, if you will, um, for which you never come back as refreshed as you think you would when you have two young kids. Um, but it was busy, uh, much like probably you in Minnesota. It was very hot, so we tried to figure out ways to stay cool. Um, but it's, it's been really good. I feel recharged and I'm super excited to go. Um, and again, we're going to talk work life balance. So why don't we introduce our two guests? Perfect. So we have two guests joining us for our conversation day. First is Eric Brandis, uh, the CTO and co-founder of TrackJS JavaScript Air Monitoring and my partner in crime. Hey guys. Uh, he's on Twitter at, at Brandis Eric. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you guys for having me. And my friend Lemon, the builder of internet things, the president for life of the F Plus podcast, and all around web developer at Ahoy Lemon. Thanks Hi. for coming on. <laughs> How are we doing? Yeah. See, I thought, was... I thought I was excited, but Lemon's more excited than all of us. Um, uh, gotta... <laughs> I'm really excited to have these two guests here. One, uh, I'm excited to have Lemon here because I always am, but in addition, I know that Lemon does a whole bunch of stuff outside of, of work with his podcasts and his websites and projects and stuff. So it'll be great to hear about his work-life balance. And then with Eric, I'm excited to hear how uh, two people trying to manage the same business um, are able to do work-life in, in the differences and similarities that might go with that. Um, so I'm really excited about our guest panel, but let's, uh, let's kick it off. We're going to start with where work-life balance is the worst. And that's when you first, you know, sort of um, maybe graduate from college, graduate from school, and you're looking for a job, and or you're just um, jumping into a new industry. Now, for me, I had no idea what work-life balance was when I first entered or got out of school, right? Because I was working 46, 40 to 60 hours a week. Um, while I was going to school full-time to pay for it. So the whole idea of work-life balance um, didn't really mean anything to me back then. Um, and then, of course, like you jump into that, that sort of first job. And I don't know if you guys were like me, but I didn't expect a work-life balance because I expected I was going to work myself into the ground to prove that I belonged in this industry. Um, so, Lemon... How like how did you get into I guess how did you get into web and then did you have a good sense of work life balance bef- oh, before no. you got in and then when you started No no, no never no uh no I like I cuz I came at it like completely unprofessionally like I was um <clears throat> you know just a, a like a guy just working at retail jobs um doing 
doing whatever. And so, and so the like creative work, the, like the work in front of computers, like that kind of thing, um, was all unpaid. It was just stuff you did, um, you know, to hang out with people and, and for your ego and stuff like that. So like, so you had a job, like an actual job that you didn't pay that much attention to so that you could pour more money or pour more like attention into like the creative thing, um, which like eventually for me, like in, in, in weird twisty ways, like ended up being like a thing that made money, but like that took a decade. Um, and so until that time, it was just a lot of like, well, there was work, which was just a place that you had to be. Um, and then there was like the thing that I liked doing, which was if anything, like a net loss of money. Did that become a, how do I say it? Um, did that personal time, did that website stuff become work in your personal time? Would you say, or is it something that you continue to enjoy? I think, I think I do both. Cause right. I mean, you know, cause, cause I do, I do at this point, I do websites for fun. I do websites for work. Um, and so sometimes the stuff I'm doing for fun, um, like feels bad because I'm working in stuff that's not particularly enjoyable. It's like, it's a thing that I'm trying to get done and that's not the best. And then other times I'm doing something for the job and I'm trying out something new. I'm doing like a little weird, like SVG animation or like doing some like little piece of tech that I've never done before. And so that feels good. So like, there's a little bit of bleed. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, like the sites that I'm making, uh, the sites that I'm making for money, like really are rarely even nearly as fun to work on and, and, and rarely something that I'm nearly as proud of. Then, okay. I, yeah, I feel the, the same way too sometime. Um, and, and then to set a baseline, Eric, same question to you, like, how did you come into the industry and what were your expectations or experience of what work-life balance even meant? So uh, maybe to start even before that, so I came into the industry the usual path, right? I went to a four-year university, university, got a comp sci degree, uh, did the internship, got like a full-time computer programming job, right? So it was pretty standard. But to back up a few years, when I turned 14, my parents were like, you need to have a job. Like, you're, it's time to work. <laughs> and so like yeah so like i actually I actually started working when i was 13 actually 12 cutting the lawn and then 13 cutting more lawns and then being a caddy at minnesota valley country club and then by 14 and 15 you could work legally so i started working at cub foods as a cashier 20 hours a week and so like my parents were like you will work right and so for my whole life it has been expected that you work and my my mom had a rule in high school that i couldn't quit one job until I had another job. And so I had nine jobs in high school and they were all terrible, well, not all, but the vast majority were terrible. Uh, with the worst one being, I was the mouse at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I wore, I wore I this. You at a this uh, oh, you were not the only one, my friend. You were not the only one. So, so like that, that like sort of was the pinnacle of like worst job ever. And, and we don't need to get into it too much, but suffice it to say, no one has ever in my experience told me about a job that was worse than that one. And uh, and so ever since then, I sort of have this like fear in the lizard part of my brain that like, I don't ever want to go back to that, right? And so when I got my first internship, I'm like, this is the best job in the world. They're paying me a fortune. I'm sitting in a climate controlled office building. I can take a long lunch. I can, like, it's the greatest. And so I, you know, for me, I, I, David, I agree with you. I, I wanted to prove myself the first full-time job that I had. So I'm like working, you know, 45 hours a week, right? Which like is really nothing actually when you sit in an office and can surf the internet and have sweet cafeteria food that's subsidized, like it's no big deal. Um, so I guess to answer your question, like I'm a worker, I've always been a worker. And so like my interpretation of work-life balance is probably a little bit different than some other people's. So Awesome. So we'll talk about, you know, how, how you got from that ultra worker to still being a worker, but recognizing work, work-life balance over the years. Todd, how about yourself? Um, today, I would consider myself a struggling workaholic, uh, and I'm trying to not be that. But when I first got out of school, I definitely was not. So I got a comp sci degree, and then I went and worked in uh, an IT department 
uh, not as a programmer, just like as a system admin. And a big part of why I did that was because it allowed me to be as lazy as I possibly could. Like, yeah, good job well, for being lazy. Yeah, like it's it's all of the benefits that Eric was throwing out there of like just kind of sitting in an air conditioned office. And I didn't really have anything I needed to do. It was like I was there in case like I needed to like add a Windows permission or reboot a machine or something like that. Stuff that was like trivially easy and I could script away so that I didn't actually have that much real work to do. And uh, yeah, so I had a fantastic work-life balance at the beginning because I did almost no work. Um, (laughs) So... So somewhere along the line, though, I became more interested in, in the programming and the automating the way of my job. And uh, and it just kind of developed somewhere along the line where I, I started spending more and more time doing it. But it definitely didn't start that way at the beginning. I, I did not. I had a great work life balance at the beginning. The workaholic was beaten into me over over <laughs> over years. Well done, Eric. Well done. Oh, this was long before oh, I even and, and met I Eric. Think, I think Todd's definition of workaholic and mine are also. Workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly why I wanted to hear. This is perfect. So, so I guess for me, when I look at at the way that work life balance was introduced to myself um, and has changed over the years, has been through life events. Um, I already talked about you know getting out of school, getting that first job and not expecting any work-life balance because I needed to prove myself. I needed to put in the hours. I needed to make sure that, you know, people recognize that I belonged in this industry. But as I look back over the past 15 years, I've been a professional web developer now. It has been those life experiences and those life changes that, that have um, sort of shaped what work-life balance means to me. You know, just naming a couple of them, um, you know, getting those first challenging projects where you were, you know, meant to work because um, the project got underbid and it needs to be done on time. And, you know, the person who put out the bid was either just looking for money or didn't get it right or, you know, for whatever reason. So that's something that can still happen to modern day. Um, but then, you know, you get to the point where you're working toward promotion. And that's another thing that draws you back into work all the time. Um, when I went remote, you know, the computer's always there. And so you end up, you know, some people worry about, well, I'm going to be distracted. I'm not going to get any work done. Um, for me, it was, I ended up working longer because work was always there. The computer was always there. Someone could always ping me at eight o'clock because we have someone, you know, working in Australia or on the West coast or whatever. Um, do you have a is there is there an expectation because I've, I've I've I haven't done much remote work at all in my life like is there is there a temptation for that people have to like overcorrect if you're in a situation where like not a lot of people are remote for the ones that are is there a situation where it's like well since I'm this like I need to do a 12 hour work day because otherwise it's unfair or something like that? Like, does that happen? I don't think so. I think if you set a good expectation and your teammates know when you are and when you won't be available, um, I think that's the the best route. I've never had a problem with it. I'll say that. Lemon, I will, I will tell you the inverse is very common where people are like, I just need to make sure my Slack presence indicator is green, right? And so I've got the mouse wiggler so that it like never, you know what I mean? It's like, like, like I, I would say in my experience, people exploit remote opportunities. Like yeah, they use yeah. it as an excuse to do less work on average, I would say. Right. It's yeah. been my experience. Yeah. I'm no, I've seen I've seen I've seen that happen too. And I've just, yeah, I've wondered. I I mean, I guess I mean, because it's just it really there's no other thing that happens there other than personal honesty, right? Like there, there's nothing else that you can use. As a there practice, is. A, right? I worked at one remote job where you needed to record hours for how long a given task took. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that makes work even harder because even if the task, let's say the task takes you say two hours, if your employer is wanting eight hours logged every day, you're going to be in trouble. Because there's time in between to figure out what you want to be doing. And there's no real way to record that. Um, yeah. Oh, and have you, have you ever seen Schindler's List? 
like where the guy, like the Nazi guy goes up to the worker in the factory and is like, make a screw like as fast as you can, right? And the guy like makes the screw super fast, right? Because he's under the gun and he wants to like impress this guy. And the the Nazi overlord is like, how come there aren't more screws then, right? Like if you can make it this fast, how come like there's just not overflowing amounts of screws, right? So like that... The hour tracking reminds me of that, right? Where it's well, like, and that's well, I- that's so emblematic to just agency life across the board. Like, there's there's very very few agencies that don't have that as a fundamental concept of like of like hours for dollars. And so then you have the situation where it's like every person is expected to put eight. And so you've got these like weird extra buckets, right? There'd be like an admin bucket or like an emails bucket or whatever. And that and that's like the one thing that's not tracked. So therefore, that's what all of the hours goes into, you know, because I've only got six here. So I'm going to put 16 in this other thing that's not actually tracked. Yeah. Yeah. That, that tracking hours is the worst. Yeah. It Well, first of all, it obviously impacts work-life balance. It makes it much worse, right? Um, and also, it brings on a ton of anxiety, which is something that maybe we should talk about in another episode, um, because, you know, you're expected to perform and you're expected to hit an unrealistic metric unless you work extra hours, um, which digs into, you know, your life, especially if, you know, you have a family and such. Um, you know, jumping back to more family events, getting married was a big one for me. Um, you know, you needed to be there for your partner at the end of the day and not working all the time. Um, obviously health issues are another one too. Um, one thing that I think would be really interesting is if we each sort of shared personal experiences of, of, uh, when work-life balance was the worst, how we got to the point where we understood it and where we are today. I think that would be really interesting. Um, Todd, how about yourself? Uh, sure. I have a, a pretty recent thing that I'm I'm actually still struggling with. Um, so I think we talked about in our last episode uh, before before the break that I'd recently come down with uh, with Bell's palsy, uh, where like half my face went numb and like it's coming back, but I still have like some some difficulty with it. But it was totally a stress induced thing, and it was a stress induced thing because I was carrying a lot of anxiety about about the business and I was carrying a lot of um, anxiety about like travel and like going to conferences, which like part of me felt like was part of the business, but part of me was just like, it's, I had my ego tied up in it. And if I counted like everything that I was doing, I was working way too much, but I was working on like the wrong things. And so like I was stressed because I would spend all this time preparing for an event. And in doing that, I would be neglecting my family responsibilities and I would be neglecting the things I probably should have been working on for the core business. And so my family life was getting a little, a little wonky and the business wasn't doing as well as I wanted to. And I still felt like I was working all of the time. And and that was just this major stressor for me that ended up kind of resulting in this medical issue. And in response to that, I, I think I've been I've been reevaluating that. I've been backing away from conferences and trying to refocus my efforts on the business, but putting like boundaries around it and saying, you know what, we're not at a point where I have to be like super stressed about it all the time. And I should take time and spend it with family and and do and be present. And that is, you know, still still honestly a challenge for me. And I'm still trying to figure out where those boundaries are. Um, but but I think that's all tied up with this work-life balance. And so I have by no means mastered this. I am struggling. But it sounds good that you've like, you've recognized what the problem was. You're like trying to be too much to too many people um, along with. Yeah, I, I was totally saying yes yeah. to too many things. Like there was this, this business that was like, it was our livelihood. And it was this thing that we've spent a ton of time and effort and it still needs, needs care and feeding. But, but I was saying yes to all of these events. And I was saying yes to like throwing pub comp events. And I was saying yes to going to these meetups. And like, I can't, I just couldn't do all of them. I shouldn't have done all of them. Um, and uh, yeah, that's still kind of a hard thing to learn. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Lemon, how about yourself? When did you, like, when did you, understand that you needed a better work-life balance and, and where do you feel you are today with it? 
Oh, I think I'm I'm currently probably in the worst version of that uh, that I've probably ever had um, because like I I uh, I. I, I have a hard time just, I mean, because I build the things, right? And then the things are just supposed to, like, set sail and, you know, like, and whatever. But um, but that's never been the case. I never, in, I never able to, you know, like, 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 pre- pre- tracking this back, like, 25 years ago, you used to be able to make zines, right? Zines were really cool because they took a whole lot of time. And then when you were done, you just handed them out and they were done. You, you can't change it. There's nothing, the zine. Maybe you'll do another one, but probably not, honestly. Um, and that's not the case for websites. So, like, so um, all of these dumb little projects that I have, like, like need something. And, and because, like, I, some of my personal, you know, like, ego or sense of self is tied into them, that it, that it becomes something that I need to kind of maintain. Um, and, and I have a hard time... I have a hard time with collaborators in general, like that, that if I'm, if I'm working with collaborators, then what I need to have is like some sort of idea of like, of like, you are like, where, where am I? Like, where's the ceiling? Where's my box? Right. Do I run everything? Cause if I run everything, I'm going to, and I'm just going to like, I'm going to run scattershot all over people's feelings and like sense of self and like sense of worth. Like, no, 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 I'm, we're going to do it my way. Cause I'm that. And if I'm, and if I've got a ceiling, then I have to like figure out where that is. Um, and so th- I'm in, I'm in lots of those situations. I have, I have like, uh, like four things I'm working on right now where people are, are, are sending me emails and asking me about stuff. And, and I've been responding with like, well, I actually don't have the mental bandwidth to deal with that right now. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when though? Okay, cool. Great. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's. Uh, so that's where I am. And, uh, and I don't, I don't know. It's not getting better. It's I not think getting one, better. one of the interesting points that you made, which is something that I've thought about often. Um, and, and I try to explain people, I explain to people and they don't really understand is that websites are special in that they're never done. They can always be faster. Yeah. They can always have less errors. They can always be, you know, optimized here. They can always add more features. And that's when I've explained to some of my friends and family that like for the sake of people's wellness, I wish either employers or I don't want to say the government, but like one day a month, I would like to mow lawns. And that's not to demean people that do landscape, you know, that work. It's just I want to do something that's done at some point. You know, you go around on, on the mower the lawn at one, at some point the lawn is cut and it's time to move on. And that's some. Although, I mean, to extend your metaphor, the lawn's never done. Don't, don't ruin this that's for gonna me. Come back. <laughs> but you know what, like even, even if you have to come, yeah, you get to be outside. It's physical. Like it's, you get to do a change of pace too. Right. Like it's, there's been plenty of days when I've looked wistfully at the, the facilities guys doing the lawns on the big corporate campus and being like, man, I wish I was out there like cutting that grass. Maybe that'd be awesome. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's the change of pace. It's the physicality. But like I said, you, you can't sit and wait for the lawn to come back, right? So at some point that day, that time, the job is done. Or, or being a mail a mailman sure. would be really cool too, in which, you know, like I delivered the packages and stuff. I'm done. And I want to make clear that I'm not demeaning these jobs. I'm just saying, like, there's finality, at least for that day or, or, or that job. Yeah. Eric, how about yourself? When did you when did you get to your worst point of work-life balance? And as especially as someone who considers themselves a worker, um, how do you reconcile work-life balance now? I mean, that's a good question. Like I was trying to think about like examples when I like, and I've definitely like, I think everybody experiences periods of sort of like burnout or overworked where you kind of just frazzled and you need like a week off or whatever. Right. Like, you know, for me, probably the worst time was when we were running TrackJS. It was doing really well. It was, you know, taking off. But then I also have this 40 hour a week contract gig. Right. And some of these contract gigs are more stressful than others. Some of them you can just like go in and sit down, put your head down, like bang out the work and be done. And some of them there's drama and stress and it's dysfunction and all that. And so whenever there's that dysfunction, 
coupled with you know, trying to work 25, 30 hours a week on TrackJS, now you're talking about huge amounts of hours going into this thing. And you've got all this, you know, these crazy people at this corporate job that you don't even care about, right? And I think that's what makes it really hard. Like, I can tolerate a lot more work if it's for my own product and my own business and I reap the rewards of it. But if I'm doing it for some company who has just like made the worst technical decisions on earth or they've got bad managers, like I really don't care. You know, and that makes it hard. Like I don't want to lose my weekends if I'm not going to see an extra, you know, any sort of uh, sure. meaningful outcome. But, but so like, so now like that I just work on TrackJS, it's actually been pretty easy to kind of ramp up the kind of the focus and the motivation because there's a there's a meaningful outcome for me everything i get done there's there's you know it's it's my business right it's i can directly impact it but the other thing that like i can find it creeping in and so i've had to start cutting it out like like i don't go on twitter anymore because twitter is just like outrage factory 9000 right and i found that if i read twitter in between like doing tasks at work i'll get less done because i'll be so angry about whatever it is that's on twitter <laughs> i'm like like, you know, and then I'm just like, I'm like, I just lost an hour, right? Because of that. And that's BS. It's the same reason I don't play video games. Like, I don't watch TV. Like, I, because like, they're distracting. And like, for me, the, the way I have to be able to like work without getting burnt out and stuff, but like still make a meaningful contribution is I like limit my distractions. I don't, uh, like I, when I first went full-time on TrackJS, like all these people that I hadn't seen in ages, like, let's do lunch, let's do lunch. And so I'm doing like three lunches a week. But the problem with the lunch is like it's 30 minutes to drive there. It's an hour and a half with this person. Maybe you have a cocktail while you're there. So you got another half hour drive back. And then you're kind of like, eh, what do I do now? You just burned half right. a day of work doing that lunch. You know what I mean? And so I've just like cut all that stuff out. Um, so I guess, for you know, for me, I look at it from a different perspective. Like some people say, you know, you should, you should uh, work to live, not live to work, right? Well, I sort of feel like work is this foregone conclusion, right? Like we maybe in some Star Trek future universe that's a utopia, none of us have to work and we can just do what we love, right? But until that day, we better figure out how to make the most of, of work, right? And either have a job that you like or is meaningful or that you can tolerate. And so for me, it's just been like all these tricks to try and figure out how do I like, you know, keep my head straight and focused. I think one of the best ones that I had, and I still think wistfully about this, is like, probably for maybe three years, I was just doing just general contracting, right? Just, just general, you know, recruiter sends you in and, and you're working on, you know, standing up some sort of web app in, in three weeks. Um, and I really, really still liked that. Like I liked it the whole time. Um, I liked it because I didn't know anyone's name. Like I wasn't invited to Sheila's birthday party. Like I didn't, I like, I didn't, they didn't give me an email address. I didn't receive an email address. I didn't have to read emails. Like, so two all emails never hit me. And so I would just show up and I'd be Ronin, you know, and, and it'd just be like, well, what are you looking for? Well, we want to, you know, an app that tells you about cereal. Okay, cool. Here we go. Here's mm -hmm. your, here's your cereal app. Thank you so much. Uh, that's a whole bunch of money you just gave me Uh, goodbye. Um, and except for, except for the gaps, which are very stressful. Cause then you have the, you finish the one contract, you're waiting for another contract to come. Like things are pretty bad in that time. And that was why I stopped doing it. But like, but everything other than that was just the best because I wasn't, I didn't have the ability to be personally invested in these projects. I just was able to come in and do the best job I could in a short amount of time with very limited constraints. That's a great point because I remember like my my like telltale sign when it was time to leave a contract was when I'd look at my calendar and outlook and it was more than half meetings, right? I'm like, nope, like I know right. too much, like right. I have too yeah. much knowledge here, like I got it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well that's that's a good way to not let yourself uh get bitter, I should say. You know, if if meetings are a signal, I think that's a more positive sing, uh signal than a lot of stuff. You know, whether it be like there, with my first job at, I would say two o'clock on Sunday, I would get the most incredible anxiety because I had work the next day, you know? And, and that's an obvious sign that you're afraid to go into work just because you just don't like it. Um, yeah. And so those stories are really interesting. Mine, my story of work-life balance, uh, it ended up changing when I had kids, but you know, like I said, I got out of school and I decided, I need to 
prove I belong here. So you work, you know, the 60 hours, whatever a week. Then I stopped liking that job and I started my blog. And then, you know, it would be like code all day and then blog all night sort of thing and blog on the weekends, Um, which which back then was fun, but it it didn't give me much of a life balance. Um, And then I switched jobs and started working remotely. And again, every time you switch jobs, you know, like I got to prove myself, I got to prove myself. And then there's a remote aspect to it where, you know, you're never away. And I had teammates in other countries and different time zones and stuff. And so you're on like much longer. Um, And then of course I made it to Mozilla and it was always my dream job. So I ended up, you know, working a ton and I had just gotten married. So I'm like, you know, justifying it to my wife, like, Hey, I want us to have a nice, really nice house someday. I need to take care of you. Um, you know, just sort of like mentally justifying everything. So D- David, let me, let me like uh, a couple of times you said like prove yourself yeah. right? at, like a, at a new job. And I agree. I definitely have always felt that. Like I want to like first couple months, I got to right. come in and crank it out. Right. Like watch how good I am. You say it like, it's kind of a bad thing though. Like, do you think it's a bad thing? Like, what if you didn't do that no, and no. they, like, fired you let, or let something, me. right? Or, like, uh, yeah, so, like, yeah. I guess, what's talk about the flip side, right? Like, like, like sometimes maybe it's 100%. necessary to do that. Like, at Mozilla, right? Like, you want to make that good impression because right. this is your dream job, Yeah, it's, right? this isn't like, coming off correctly. Um, it's, it's something that I'm trying to frame it around work-life balance, right? And so the opposite of work-life balance is going mm-hmm. to be uh, you know, just working extra long hours or, you know, working on extra tough stuff um, to prove you belong there. So I, for myself, I would have it no other way. It's just what I do. And I think it's, I would advise everyone else to do that. Um, but from a work-life balance perspective, it's always going to go down um, in that case. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that makes sense because we definitely like plan for that. At the time when when all three of us for TrackJS were doing outside contracts, we definitely had conversations where it's like, all right, you know, Todd or Eric or Jordan or whatever, they're ramping up this new contract at this place. They're going to, you know, spend that first three weeks like putting in a lot of time and effort there. So let's just not plan a bunch of TrackJS work at the same time because we know that their energy level is going to be down because they're going to be like, crushing it at this new contract. The flip side was that once you put those three killer weeks in and set the tone, it gives you like a good six months to really take your foot off the gas. Pedal, you know what I mean? So it was, if you look at it like in a debit and credit. I built a skateboard, now I can. Yeah, right. Like if you look at it like from a debit, like credit perspective, it's like you draw down the account, right? Like at first, but then you like reap it back in some cases, you know, much more. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. To all my previous employers, I was not doing that at your job. <laughs> no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't talking about First, any of that. He's a different guy. You don't know her. He lives in Canada. First three weeks, you uh, introduce tiny bugs, and you spend the next three weeks fixing them, and you look like a genius. Um, but then, you know, after I got to Mozilla, my wife and I had our first kid, and then we, you know, like two or three months after, bought a new house. So again, I kept justifying myself why I needed to like keep keep on this trajectory. Um, And it really hit me. And I wrote a blog post about this, about being a dev dad. When um, my wife had gone back to work and I was sitting on the couch at, you know, 3 o'clock PM and um, the baby was crying and I was doing everything I could to get my son to stop, stop crying. And I was like, dude, what do you want? And I was like, also over here trying to do the computer thing to, to work. Um, and it hit me like right then that like this isn't working. I can't be the full time. Uh, I shouldn't say full time. I can't try and watch my kid in work at the same time and expect to be a hundred percent. I need to call my parents. And it wasn't because people weren't available. It's because I thought that I needed to do everything. Um, I hadn't adapted to the fact that I needed to change. And so I talked to my manager, Luke Crouch, who we've had on the podcast before. Um, and I was like explaining, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm trying to do all this work. I'm trying to get all this stuff done. And he said to me, and I quote, I never heard him swear before. He said, David, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) You know, like to really hammer it home to me, like, dude, you have a kid who needs you. And like, you can't, you're not going to be able to work at a hundred percent and watch a kid at a hundred percent at the same time. And that's where I like, that's where I made my change. That's where I finally understood that I couldn't do what I had been doing anymore. And that was hard because 
like you, Eric, I was a worker my entire life. That's what I did. That's what I had control over. That's what I was good at. That's where even if you didn't like what you were doing, you were seeing money come in. Um, that was a really big change for me. Um, and so another big thing that, that he had, that Luke had mentioned to me in that conversation was impact, right? Like for me, I always thought that working long hours, like the long hours was the metric. And he's, he said to me, David, more than, more than time, it's about impact. If you fix this really difficult bug in four hours, that can be a day's work, right? Like that's how much impact that has on everything else. Um, and as far as where I am today, I think that I'm okay with it. I still get the, the looks from my wife and my kids sometime when I'm at the computer at six o'clock instead of, you know, rushing into, to take part in dinner and stuff. Um, but I finally convinced myself to take a week's staycation and, um, and, and to Todd's point to be able to say no sometimes, because especially with my blog and such, sometimes you have to say no. Um, so like, I guess overall, what, what lessons did we learn from this? We sort of talked about our story, but, um, I'll start with you, Todd, you mentioned always saying yes. Like what are some other tips that you can give about getting better at this? Even if you know you're in a bad spot now, what do you know you should be doing, but aren't? Well, one of the one of the things that I was thinking about as you were describing your situation is um, like right now I'm in my home office, which I used to work almost exclusively here. Um, but what I found was that like if I was spending a day working here, I would be I wouldn't feel like I'd get a day's work done because there's other people here. Like there's a dog here. My wife's here. The kids are here. And like they don't like they know that I'm here. Like they'll, they need things. The dog needs to go outside. Uh, my wife wants to talk to me about something. The kids need a bandaid, you know, things, you know, blow up and you, it's not that any of those things take time. It's that they all cause context switches and like, Oh, I have to stop. I was finally like in the zone and I was finally like, Oh, I understood this thing I was trying to do. And now I have to walk away from it and walking away from it makes me frustrated. Like I'm, I'm angry that I have to walk away just when I finally got it. And then I go away and then I don't, I don't give that interaction the, the, the care it deserves. And so I do that poorly and then I come back and then I do this poorly and it ended up just being not good. And so creating, creating boundaries between like times that I'm working and times that I'm not is, is I think really important for me anyway. I've started working more out of a co-working space uh, just a few blocks away, but that physical separation of like, all right, I am working now and I am gone. I am at this other place that like people cannot bug me at unless it is really an emergency. I feel like it's been good for everything. I, I feel like I get more done when I'm there because there's no distractions. And then I feel better about coming home and not working when I'm home Very because nice. I got more done. So, so moving to a co-working space gave you that mental sort of time framework where now I'm working, now I'm home. Yeah, it, yeah, it protects. Yeah, it protects your productivity, and it, it gives you just like this. This, I, I, it's hard to describe it in words. It's just like. When I'm home, I feel like, all right, I'm home. And like, if I want to work and I enjoy working and there's nothing else doing, I can still do that if I want, but I'm not, I don't have to feel obligated to. And when I'm at work, I don't have to do things for the house. I don't have to do things with family because I'm at work at that point. And that, mm -hmm. that separation minimizes that context switches, which for me is a huge productivity killer. Because every time you context switch, I haven't quite gotten good at, at Eric's thing. I've been working on it too, like avoiding Twitter and avoiding Reddit and avoiding Hacker News and all those things. I'm trying to. I'm just not super good at it yet. But every time there's a context switch, it's really tempting to be like, ah, oh, I'm not going to start yet. I'm going to check Twitter. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm really angry. I disagree with this person. Now I have to say so. Ah. Or, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna eat lunch in 30 minutes. Right. So why start something new now? Because I'm just gonna eat lunch in 30 minutes. So right, and those sort of things just erode the day mm-hmm. so much when you like take them in in concert. And or so, like, like run an errand, right? Like I've been trying to really cut back my errand running because like it'd be so easy. Like oh, I'll just run these mm-hmm. errands during the day when no one's around. But then, like, before you know it, like, you know, you get in the car, you go run the air, maybe you run a second air, and you get back, you put the stuff away. Like, you can, it's so, like, a, like an eight-hour work right. day can be burned in an instant, like, with other stuff, you know, like, without that. Cool. So, shifting over to you now that you mentioned that, Eric, what other tips would you, would, would you say that you'd share? So, 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 David, I really agree when you said, you know, your, your boss or whatever saying, like, it's all about impact. Right. Like it's all about like it's not about the number of hours you work. It's about the impact that you make. And uh, I had a roommate in college and he like for a test, he would study for hours. Like he would convince like he'd go to the library. He'd be gone for 12 hours. Dude, I studied for 12 hours for this test. And then he wouldn't do well. And I'm like, well, how are you studying? Like what you know what? Like and and it turns out what he was mostly (laughs) doing was dinking around while he's at the library. Like the fact that he was the fact that he was at the library for 12 hours, he thought was going to be sufficient. Right. And like, I've fallen into that trap too, where I'm like, I'm in front of my computer. I'm thinking about work. Like, why am I not getting anything done? Or why does it feel like I'm not getting anything done? And what I found for me, a lot of it is like, I like, like a lot of the work we do on Track.js now is not fun work. Like it's not exciting problems to solve anymore. It's kind of like the boring work that you have to do because that's why people will right. pay you, right? Because they don't want to do that boring work. And so like, it can be really hard to motivate yourself when you know you've got another like six hours of CSS today, right? Now, Lemon, <laughs> no offense, I know you like CSS, but like for those of us that sort of look at it as like a necessary evil. Yeah, no like, problem with CSS, <laughs> it's just six hours. Uh, but so like for me, what I found, my biggest trick, and like I, this probably only works for me because I'm like, I pretty I can motivate myself pretty easily. Um, like I'm just like, you just got to start. You just got to start. Like just start doing it. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Just start it. Just start moving the mouse, the keyboard, open the document, open the like, whatever. And usually if I do that within 20 minutes, I'm in the task, right? No matter how unpleasant the task is, if I just say, just start it, just do it over and over, like no social media, you just got to do it. That works for me. It probably doesn't work for everybody, but like sometimes I'll get my, like I'll make tea. And I'm like, I can't do anything other than work until I finish this tea, right? And so, but then that takes 30 minutes. And so by the time 30 minutes goes by, I'm either done with the task because it's amazing. Once you focus and get into something, you can finish things super quick. Or I'm so engrossed in it, I've forgotten what I was irritated about, you know, or like, so for me, that's like just starting. You just got to do it. And then before you know it, you've crushed like not one thing, but five things that day, right? Um, because the other last thing I'll mention is like, what was common for me is I like to work in spurts. And so like, I'll get like a really hard bug or figure out like a new piece of functionality, like, whew, okay, like I gotta let the brain rest for 20 minutes. But then sometimes that 20 minutes would turn into an hour or two hours or three hours. And like, you're like, you can justify, well, I got this big thing done today. Well, now I tell myself, what if you did two big things today? What if you did three big things today? Right. And so just like little, I play like mental games with myself all the time. So that's, that's that's like, How I um, Lemon, much like Todd, you said that you're in the worst of it now, so to speak, or, or, th- or that there's a bit of a struggle. Like, yeah, do you how do you see yourself uh, getting getting out of it? I should say, because. Well, I think, I, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like I'm just like, I think one of the definitions that uh, I need to I, like that needs to be explored in, in work life is like this idea of, well, what are both of those things, right? Because let's face it, like web development is pretty cushy. Like it really, it's fine. Like I even get the keyboard that I like, you know, like I'm, I'm, I, I know what working hard is and I, and I, and I rarely do. (laughs) Um, I, I type things and I, you know, inspect pixels. So, 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 okay. So, so work life to me is like, well, what, what, what is, what are things that are motivated by me versus what are things that are motivated by other people? I think the most depressed I've ever been as a human being is the times when I've played the most video games at a time. Like the times that I've spent like, oh, I'm just going to like play T Fortress for 10 hours. Like that was me at the worst version of me. Just, just everything about me stunk at that time. Uh, literally and figuratively, but, but 
so okay so then so then if it's if it's if it's if it's about like what's coming internally versus externally like what are my desires versus like desires like put upon me then then there's even like like if you think about like stuff like uh like meetups right um, you know, so, Hey, do you want to like, you know, come meet me and whatever? Like, Hey, here's a guy you haven't met in two years. And like, you should feel guilty about the fact that you haven't met this guy in two years. So like, why don't you hang out with him? Ask yourself, do I want to, do I actually want <laughs> yeah. to, like, does that sound fun for me? Is that a good use of two hours of my day? Uh, cause sometimes it isn't. And so, and so I think that, I think that that's, one of those things, like no matter where that, um, like, you know, no matter, no matter what category the thing is, if it's something that I'm doing for a job or something that I'm doing professionally or something that I'm doing, like whatever is like, is like, where is that request coming from? And do I actually want to do this thing? Do I actually want to do this thing? Cause if I have to bust my ass, but I really do want to, that's okay. So here's like, here's a that's question turned out really everyone, good everyone, because I think Lemon brought up a really good point. Does working on, on I guess, software and being allowed to sit and work at home, um, is like, is being an engineer too cushy? Have we have we gotten to the point where? Yes. Yeah. Ha- actually, have we achieved enough in our life, in this industry, that we've made it too cushy for ourselves? <laughs> I think the fact that we can even discuss something like work-life balance, right. like, yeah, yeah. like, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't have a choice, right? It's like, you want to eat, you work or like, oh, my knees hurt today, but you're a roofer. So you're going to get on that roof anyways. Right. Like, right. I mean, it's, so like, I do feel like in tech, we love to like, you know, really talk right. about some things. I'm right. like the vast majority of humans would hate us if well, they heard us discussing this stuff. Yeah. Right. And that's, so, Todd, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, but I, I I think that there's. A- <laughs> right, right. <laughs> On that note, we're all a bunch of privileged assholes, and this none yeah. of us should be complaining do, about do. any of this shit. Goodbye. Yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Wear the mouse suit at Chuck E. Cheese once, or yeah. walk a mile in that suit. One day we're suit, one day we're see. at Chuck E. Cheese yeah. just to see both sides of it. But I, I do think there's an aspect of the industry where. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see articles about this all the time, at least on the West coast of people working themselves, you know, into pneumonia or, you know, that sort of thing. So I do think it's important that, um, although, you know, we get nice fancy computers and sometimes get to work at home. Um, I do think it's important that we at least try to, um, recognize that work, work-life balance is important. Otherwise, you know, we're going to fall into that, into that same trap. Um, so that's really good stuff. We get to the fun part. I want to hear what you guys do, um, like what you're excited about in your in your life balance. Like, like what you know, what do you, I guess, sort of of live for? What's the other side of working really hard? Um, Lemon, how about yourself? Like, what do you look forward to doing once you've sort of struck that work life balance? Uh, I moved offices, um, so the the new office is. Um, not that much closer, um, but in a different proximity, which means that my path to that office is way more bikeable. Um, so I've got like a really uh, nice route um, that goes, uh, it only goes, you're only on one crappy street and only for about four blocks. And the rest of it is just like really nice bike paths. Um, and that's fantastic. I really, um, I like, uh, I like doing that. It makes my nice. beginning and end of the day less drudgery. Um, it's, it's, it's good to like, you know, I got my little finger, fingerless gloves and I got my helmet and I just sort of like whatever. And I, and I, I'm sweaty at the end of it. Um, and that feels good. And then I get to uh, bike around with my daughter after that as well. So like, that's all, that's all really good. Um and then the rest of it is, I mean, just daughter time, really. That's, that's, Absolutely. that's the best part. Yeah, that's, fa- that's, family plays a big role part. in it. Well, you guys are all in the Midwest. The Midwest weather was awful. Snow everywhere. So- what? Uh, what? I don't understand. What do you mean? What do you snow. Mean? Right, yeah. Just, just, yeah. For that's some reason, if it's just up to your so waist, like, if the snow's up to your waist, that's too high. It's <laughs> rambunctious because we couldn't get them outside all that much. And so I signed my kids up for everything. 
oh, we're doing baseball this summer. We're doing basketball this summer. We're doing soccer. We're doing swim class. And uh, going to kids' events is, number one, something you need to leave work for. Um, and two, seeing them grow and get better at things is super enjoyable. So, yeah, I can relate to that quite a bit. Plus, the bike ride is really nice. There was a while where I was feeling stressed out, and it, I noticed in myself that I wasn't leaving the house. So instead of uh, sit down and you know read Twitter and stuff, I would go for a bike ride in the morning. And that felt really, really good to get started. So that's that's really cool, too. Um, yeah, Todd, how about yourself? What do you look forward to doing when you're when you're uh, not at the computer? So I want to touch briefly on on the seasons thing that we were just talking about because I actually think there's an important thing about living where it's where <laughs> there's like a defined winter is that like it makes you appreciate the summer all the more, right? Is like when when there's so much of the year where it's just shitty outside. It like that's the time of the year that it you should probably work a little bit more because like there's less things to do. Like what else are you gonna do? Like it's crappy outside and that's it's cold fair. and it's dark. So I could work a little bit more. And the and the flip side of that is when it's summertime, maybe you should work a little bit less. Maybe you should spend a little bit more time outside. Maybe you should enjoy like the pleasantness while while we have it. Um, and so I, I've been trying to think about that and and. Uh, I obviously want to spend a lot of time, uh, with my family outside of work. Um, but I have some problems, like I've spent so much of the last 15 years working that I don't really have that many hobbies anymore. Like I used to play video games a lot, but I got kind of like weird and obsessive about them. And like Lemon, I think sometimes when I spend a whole day playing video games, I'm actually not happy at the end of the day. Yeah, it's not great. And great. so I don't really want to jump back into that super hard. Um, and I tried playing music for a while. Turns out I'm not really good at it. And I end up not being super, uh, I'm, I'm more frustrated with it than anything. So I'm, I'm on the hunt for like a hobby, something, something to do. I've been working on the house a little bit more and that's been kind of fun. But, but, but do you enjoy it, it though? I like, that's the important so, thing, right? We'll see. <laughs> I think it's tied up together, right? It's hard to it's hard to really enjoy something when you're terrible at it. Yeah. Like I want to enjoy it and I want to be good at it, and so I'm going to be dogheaded and push on it for a while. I think there are a lot of but a lot of golfers would disagree with uh, being terrible but, but like, enjoying it. Well, golfing is about going for a walk <laughs> in the park with alcohol. It's the cigars and the booze. Yeah, that's what people like. If, and the, you get to drive the cart kind of drunk, and that's fun. Yeah, no, like, legal. Yeah, that if, is if fun. it takes you a couple extra hits to get the ball in the hole, it doesn't really diminish from the overall experience. Mm. Plus, you get to throw I your don't know, because I, I think that no matter what, you can approach all of those hobbies in that same way, you know? Like, like in the idea of, of you know, like, music, you know? Like, you could you could get really obsessive, and you could, and you, could you know, I, I, need to, I need to learn how to play the flugelhorn, and I need to learn how to play the... Uh, what am I thinking of? It goes, wee, wee, uh, but you know, like you can, you know what? It's, no, no, you know, uh, the word wouldn't come. It was this, the, the, the Star Trek anyway. thing with where, where you wave your hand in it and it makes noise. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Hate trying to reach for a word and it not coming to me anyway. But like, but you can get like, if you come with that brain to all those things, that'll come back to you and you'll do that. Like, like, uh, like, you know, the idea of like, of like, yeah, like like going around, you know, with 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 scotch and and hitting golf clubs, like that's fun. But man, hearing people talk about golf, <laughs> like that care about it, is the most boring thing I've ever heard in my life. It is so dull. Uh, and there's a lot of people that that's do fair. golf in that but particular I, way. To my point, I do think that you can be bad at something and enjoy it and look forward to it. Eric, how about yourself? Like, what, what are you looking forward to oh, outside sure. of outside of monitor tans? Um, that's a good. Good question. Well, the, I mean, the big news for me is that the wife is thirty seven point eight weeks pregnant. So, so we are baby <laughs> watch is sort of imminent. I'm pulling up the calculator at this point now. <laughs> so. Um, no, so there'll be a new uh, addition to the family uh, any week now. Uh, yeah, so that'll be exciting. So I think that'll be, uh, you know, a bit of an adjustment. 
right? It sounds like that's can I be, can I you know, ask if it's the first and stuff? But oh wow, okay. You cool. know, like I said, oh, it is the first. It's number one. So so the, and maybe potentially the only one. So we'll see. Um, I was an only child, so I kind of liked that <laughs> lifestyle. I thought that was a pretty good way to go. Um, but uh, yeah, so no, that's going to be exciting. And th- there's going to be, I think, some learning about what, you know, what does work-life balance mean then when you've got a little one? Um, you know, but that said, like I said, I, I mean, I, I have like pared my life down to the point where I, like, I have some options, right? I have people doing my lawn. I got a, a, I just got a person that will clean my house which is the best thing in the world. Like I did not realize how much I hated scrubbing toilets until I have someone else do it. And like, Oh my God, that like takes this huge weight off me. Like, um, so I, like, I think like I'm actually not too worried about it. Like I think I'll be able to keep working like I always have. And, uh, you know, at first I think it's going to be, everyone tells me this newborn thing is just like no sleep ever. Right. And like their schedules are totally nuts. And so I think at first it'll be tough. But uh, but certainly there are people that work eight hour days and uh, and have multiple children. I'm one of them, so, and um, I'm a done. survivor, so still here. <laughs> well, and so some of it too, though. I feel like so like I like you know people talk about like hobbies and you know what do you, what do you want to do and like what's like the meaning you know what's really meaningful that you're going to do when you have this time or whatever. And so, like, for, for me, like, the number one, my number one goal, and this is going to sound stupid, this is going to sound ridiculous, but the number one goal is that, like, I don't, like, I want to build as much of a buffer between myself and, like, poverty as possible, right? And so, like, for me, like, working is a means to ensure the optionality of, like, future life. That I don't have to, like, you know, all of a sudden I'm, I've, I've seen, I've had relatives where they didn't plan for the future. They didn't, they took the, I just want to do what I love and I'm not going to put the work in. And they really struggle later in life because they, they don't have the buffer. And so for me, like it's a balance, like you say, but like, I'd rather work now so that 15 years from now, when maybe the, the computer programming is done by AI, like I'm in a good position where I'm not like scrambling. I don't have to put that mouse suit back on. You know what I mean? Like that's like that's what keeps me up at night. So that's Eric why Brandis, <laughs> motivated to avoid the mouse suit. Yeah, like that's like I mean that, like that, like those things when you're young can have this huge impact on you, right? Of like I like I get like PTSD thinking about having to put that friggin' suit on, right? And the kids like beating on you. You're just like streaming sweat inside. I want to do an entire like, episode on your nine jobs because I think so. that would be great. <laughs> Oh man, I got, I, dude, we could do many, we could do a number of episodes. There's, uh, and a lot of them were very like, they were, I guess, above board, but like okay, stuff now, I was doing. Uh, didn't I don't seem know that we can broadcast that, but I want to talk to you about it so. even more. <laughs> uh, cool. <laughs> I, well, first of all, I, I share that same fear so. that um, either the industry won't be around for us humans for a long time and in trying to make that money while we can as well. Uh, for me, Luckily, I still feel like the blog is still part of my personal time that I'm fun to, 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 you know, do a lot of my time gets eaten up by kids activities, but it's, like I said, it's good to see them grow and enjoy things. And, um, I finally have two kids that like sports. And so for a guy that like me who grew up with sports, I'm super jazzed to go outside and play basketball instead of referee a fight over who gets to wear what helmet. Um, but for me, you know, like one the best part of, of each of my days is when the kids are in, in bed and I can spend an hour or two with my wife with a glass of wine, maybe two, um, watching a movie or Netflix or whatever. To me, that's like the most peaceful, um, fun part of my day. Um, and so everything that goes up until that, whether it be, you know, work or kids' activities, um, I'm willing to um do things that maybe aren't the funnest thing in the world just so I can have that time at night. Like that's that's my time. That's my fun time and, and that's the best part. Um I think that about wraps it up. Todd, I can't take away your takeaways line, so I need you to do it for me. All right. Well so we end all of our shows by going back over it and saying what what's one major thing that each of us kind of took away from the conversation, like a closing note. Uh, something that, that you think uh, the listeners would really want to do. So 
Being that uh, David MC oh the gosh. show, I think David Takeaways, number one, I'm super excited to be back. Um, number two, I think that I think that one thing that is both comforting and scary is that, you know, between yourself and Lemon, you like having a lot of, you know, experience in the industry, obviously life experience. Um, I think that it's good that you, even though, like, despite the fact that you're both sort of not feeling like you're in a good spot with work-life balance, you recognize it and you have ideas for how to make it better. Um, recognizing it is the big one because it means that you aren't completely, totally burnt out yet. Um, and that there seems to be a little bit of optimism that, you know, things can go in the right direction. Um, I also think that one of the, I heard multiple people, if not everyone mentioned the takeaway being getting out and doing physical activity. I think that's Uh-oh. huge. Uh, hello? David, w- w- you disappeared to us for some. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what there. happened there. You want to repeat your last um, statement? I think that it's really important, um, <laughs> and I mentioned everyone mentioned, I heard everyone mention it, um, is the physical activity as being work-life balance. Because getting out, sweating, seeing people, fresh air, um, I think that's a huge help. How about yourself? Uh, my takeaways, um, I really liked a couple of things that Eric said today. Um, so I'm going to actually have two of them. The first is on actually both you and, or, uh, David and Eric, I think said around, it's not about hours in the desk, right? Like you don't have to work eight hours or 12 hours just to work eight or 12 hours. Sometimes you got something really hard done and it just took a lot of mental energy and it's okay. That's that's okay to just be like, you know what? That exhausted, you know, what I'm going to be able to get done for the day. And I think it's okay to be done. And the other thing about uh, that I, I want to highlight is something that Eric said around just starting. Sometimes it's like you just lose so much energy for work by being worried about something or like stressing about oh, this task is like really going to suck and I don't want to do it. But you just need to, you know, open it up and start. Make the cup of tea as Eric does or like open up the document and write the first sentence or get that first class working or write that first test or whatever it is that you're doing. Just start. I think that's I think that's interesting. Lemon, what do you think? Um, I think I think maybe uh, I, I've 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 spent I've spent this hour just sort of thinking about the standards by which uh, we define some of those things, like the standards by which we define, uh, you know, what's what's bad work, and and what's frustrating work, and what's working too much, um, and and what's fun, because. Um, because I'm still somebody that gets to have a lot of fun in the course of a week. And I'm, and I'm somebody that um, I think can, can gauge uh, where I know fun is. Um, And so I think that, I think that with expectations, um, figuring out those standards of, of where that pleasure can come from uh, is an important thing to think about. Awesome. Awesome. Eric, you get the last word. I would, mine's not very profound, but one thing that I found interesting is that uh, both you and Lemon and David, I can't remember if you mentioned it too, but like, like playing too many video games as like not a good thing for your mental state. And I, I found that interesting just because that's why I quit playing them years ago was that I would get obsessed with them or I'd want to be the best, right? Like I'd, you know, and it would, I'd get frustrated. I think that's, I think that's really interesting. And I wonder if there are other things that people do for quote unquote fun that actually are like causing, you know, like social media, right? Like a lot of people spend a lot of time on Twitter or whatever. Like, are some of those things, like, do they, does the problem like manifest itself actually as like burnout or lack of motivation on the work side, but it's really these other things that are causing it. And I think that's, I think that's interesting. And I wonder if you can see, I mean, you see it happen like when people like, you know, just absolutely smashing themselves in like Ironman or like triathlon kind of stuff. Right. Like, like, okay. So obviously like, you know, you're, you're breaking through a wall and that's awesome. Um, but you're definitely seeing situations (laughs) where it's like, I don't think you're making your life better doing this stuff. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. I agree. Like, it's like, man, is this, 
like on balance, is this the right like thing for you? Right. So yeah, I thought that was interesting that, and I just feel like video games are so prevalent now and they're, and they're, and they've been so optimized, right. To like do the dopamine rush and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I do wonder if, mm-hmm. if that is having an impact on, on people's sort of feelings of well being and that kind of thing. Cause it's diminishing returns. Cause you can have a thick situation where, you know, like you, you, you get this like nice, pretty video game and then you get to like shoot a Nazi in the face and it's like, well, this is delightful. Right. But, but they're not, they're not contained things. They're things that spread out over like 60 hours. Well, can you possibly feel that good for 60 hours straight? No. Right. Yeah. You have to have, I mean, it's, it's like acceleration, right? Like you have to keep more and more dopamine. Otherwise you're going to like crash sort of. So, but it was funny, funny to hear you guys say that too, just cause I, uh, I've been out of the video game world for a long time. So I wasn't sure if people still felt that. Way. I, I think that's really true because like, I, so I've been playing just some casual video games like on my phone. Like just, you know, I am bored. I'm going to play this video game. I've been playing Dr. Mario, the new Dr. Mario game. I had a legit stress dream last night about Dr. Mario. <laughs> like, like the viruses kept coming and I kept throwing capsules at them and I couldn't get rid of them. And I woke up, I woke up legitimately stressed out that I couldn't get past this level of Dr. Mario. And it felt like so real. And I'm like, God damn. Yeah, <laughs> like this is this is a this is supposed to be like a chill, like boring, like hey, I'm just killing some time kind mm-hmm. of game. Why is this doing it to me? And it's totally like yep. the you know the gamification dopamine hits or whatever that they've built into these things. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so I think that's the show. Thanks so much, guys, uh, for being on the show and telling some stories. Uh, I think uh, I think this was a really interesting show. Hopefully, we uh, we gave some tips to some people to help them balance their own lives. Uh, I'll have the show notes up online in a few minutes uh, with more information. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully we won't be uh, be too long before the next episode. So uh, any parting words, anyone? Adios. All right. Thanks so much. Take care, everyone. See you guys. Bye. The Script and Style Show is recorded and produced by David Walsh and Todd Gardner. We'll see you next time on Script and Style.